to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano. Hello, everybody. We are back. Andy and I, it's another episode of the Roma Press Podcast. So, uh, Andy, it was Roma 2, Napoli 1. Fantastic result. A really good performance, in my opinion. Obviously, after the penalty miss of Kolarov, there certainly seemed to be a drop-off. But beyond that... Let me know if you disagree, but I thought Roma, out of the 90 minutes, I thought Roma were the better team for 60 of those minutes, just over two-thirds of the match. Is that something you agree with? Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with you because, um, you know, I um, I was afraid that, I mean, last year's result against Napoli, especially that 4-1 uh, defeat um, under Ranieri, that was a tough blow um, because... It, it, it sort of spoke. Uh, it, it sort of said a lot about the the differences between the two teams and how inferior we were at that time to Napoli. Um, and so going into this game, I was afraid that you know, yes, we were doing great. We are really playing uh, fantastic football in a moment where sort of everything was going against us. But the the competition, the opposition was you know was was much better than Milan or Udinese and definitely had something to prove. So this wasn't a game where they would slack off and, and Roma, Roma just worked harder for that win out of the two teams. Roma outworked Napoli and they, they wanted it more. They, they controlled the game. You know, I, uh, I can think of so many things to talk about this game Uh, to me, just even the, I think everything was just so well planned out. Um, besides those, yes, those 20 minutes that we sort of conceded after the penalty miss. But aside from that, we were in full control of the game. Um, it was all going according to plan. And you just had a team that, like in the previous games, outworked uh, the opponent. 100%. And I think had it not been for Meretz, Roma would have had at least, at least one more oh, goal yeah. to their name. Yep. I thought he had an incredibly good performance for Napoli. Um, there were, I, I, I thought Roma tore through their midfield. But Meretz was, yeah, without question, in my opinion, I thought he was their strongest player on the day. So you said there are a lot of things that we can talk about, particularly on an individual level. And there's one name I want to bring up because I saw your tweet and I loved it. You tweeted something out to the effect of you won't forget all of the criticism and shit, more or less, that Roma took (laughs) or that was thrown in the way of Gianluca Mancini. I just can't say enough about this kid. And 23 years old, a lot of people had doubts about him. Many people were saying, oh, well, look, he lost his uh, first choice place at Atalanta why in the world would he be good enough for this Roma? Every single one of those people have been proven wrong. Because without question, he has been one of the strongest performers, whether it has been in defense or it has been in that midfield. And I that 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 pass that he had to Spinazzola on the goal of oh, Zaniolo yeah. was just it was art. You could hang it up in a museum. It was beautiful. Again, I mean, can you say enough about this kid? I mean, he's been one of the best performers of the entire season. Yeah, he's been a he's been a real revelation. I never, you know, I never questioned this uh, this deal because I always said that this kid has potential. I just didn't expect him to 
because this is you know whatever he's doing right now the the level to which he's performing right now is not a result of other players injuries he's the, he he's worked his way up into this team and he is now a player that you hardly can imagine staying on the bench um this is a player that is leading the team in all the most positive ways possible he never gives up and the way he carried the midfield uh, along with Vertu and along with Pastore who we will get to later um, he was he was all over the place and he he's very smart in a moment of need in a moment of emergency um, we said it on here I mean you, you find yourself with a team that has a lot of um, players that you know we don't really rate because we, you know, you have Santon, you have uh, players that you don't know how appropriate they are in in cases of emergency. And I guess one of the names at the beginning of the season was Mancini, just because you know he was new, he was new, he was uh, he's young. Um, you didn't really know what to expect of him, but he's playing uh, like like a player that is at least five years older than he is. And and what I love about him is that. He did not shy away from this role. He's he's playing. He's constantly switching roles between being a center back and helping out Satine in this case, to being an additional midfielder, to being a full on regista from the back, um, to disrupting passes. An incredible presence and one of the biggest surprises for me at this Roma. And I, I, I completely fell in love with this player and and the way he is clearly willing to learn and to fight for this uh, for this shirt. Yeah, and one of the scenes, if anybody missed it, uh, a good friend of mine who writes for Coye Dello Sport, uh, Jacopo Aliplandi, he tweeted out this video. Did you see it? Where after the match, yeah, Mancini I, I retweeted is... it. I retweeted it. Oh, okay. It. Yeah, so there's a there's a fantastic video um, after the match uh, between Roma and Napoli. Um, Mancini, instead of going to celebrate with the rest of the team, he is actually talking with uh, Fonseca's assistant Tiago Leal. And he's talking about tactically the match, what happened. And it's just, I don't know what it is about that scene. It just melts my heart because you have this 23-year-old. This twenty-three-year-old, uh, You wouldn't blame him in the slightest bit to join his teammates in celebrating another curva. But instead, he's talking with the assistant manager and going over what had just taken place in that match. I don't know what it is. It's difficult to put it into words, but I love everything about that video um please go go to andy's timeline if you want to check it out because yep, it was it's up sensational. there it's up there and it's fantastic and it's yeah. it, it it shows you exactly what i what i really love about what what gets the attention of a player for me what what, what that he he uh, does exactly what i like players to do is you know show initiative show the fact that you don't get complacent the fact that you don't just uh, accept a victory, you work hard for it. And I remember there was a similar video of him, I think like one or two days after he he came to Roma. Um, on the first, uh, I think one of the two days of training um, in the preseason, there was already a video out there of him with a translator in talking intensively with, with Fonseca about tactics, about the way he wanted him to position himself. I remember there was a, a long video with that. And it just and apparently uh, he did he in um, against Udinese as well. He spent a good time after the game talking to Fonseca instead of you know going into the locker room celebrating. 
that shows a kid that is, you know, ready to embrace a much larger role in this team. He absolutely gets it. And I mean, there are some 30, 31, 35 year olds who don't have that level of professionalism. And to see that in a 23 year old who, again, this may be some hyperbole. Maybe you agree, don't agree, but I feel like he can be one of the pillars of this new Roma. Um, he feels like somebody you can build upon, yeah? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, you know, from listen, from what we are seeing now, I'm seeing just based on the games that we've really performed to a fantastic level that I never expected us to perform in these conditions. Um, he definitely came out as a leader. Uh, the whole team really did, but but he... he he really uh, put himself in a position where he clearly, you can clearly see that he leads the team during a game. And you, I, I, you know, after years and years of following Rome, I don't usually expect this from 23 year olds. Um, usually the players at his age fade in and out of games. Um, he's been there all along. He's, he's been present. He's uh, in the first couple of games he, he's made some mistakes remember when he entered the Genoa game uh the first game of the season um at like the 70th minute uh, sort of lost track of his opponent um got I think uh, 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 did he get a red card I believe he did no um against Bologna um that's you know that's those are clearly things that that he has learned from because right now he's 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 much more focused you can clearly see it and he knows exactly what Fonseca wants him to do and that's the secret to this Roma team and we'll get to that later is that the whole team is basically working like clockwork yeah well before we get to Fonseca one more individual I want to discuss and that's Javier Pastore of course, yeah. This is a guy who you and I have, I, I don't think, especially if you go back to last season, I mean, we haven't been shy in our disappointment in his performances since his arrival. Well, we had no reason to be to stay shy. Right, that, yeah. He, he gave very little reason for anybody to be positive about him. But it, it's interesting because it seems like he almost needed this injury crisis at Roma. It sort of feels like had it not been for that, we never would have seen any of this from him. And again, 11 balls recovered against Napoli. He's never done that before. I, I can't say enough about him. I thought I thought he was absolutely sensational. I thought he was great. And above all, it, it's not, I mean, from him, I mean, obviously you expect sort of that technical ability, the slick passing. But I, again, for me, the thing that stood out, the work rate, he's willing to get back and help out at the back. Um, I'm absolutely shocked by it and I think it was—I forget who it was. It might have been Falsecker or Petraki. One of them was talking about him after uh, after the match. And, and basically, one of the—I I believe it was Falsecker, but he said more or less that it was never a question about his ability. All the questions surrounding Pastore have always been on the physical side, whether or not he can stay healthy. And finally, he he has this streak where he's playing in every match and he's playing 90 minutes— and it's like, finally, where was this, you know, 18 months ago? This is without question the best Javier Pastore we have seen at Roma since he arrived. Well, this is without question the best Javier Pastore I've seen in the last five years. Uh, seriously, um, he's uh, and, you know, what is what is incredible is the, the physical form he's in, um, you know, knock on wood. He's he's been he's been just fantastic in 
in the work rate. He's he's run more in these uh, two or three games than he's run in the entire uh, season last year. All of last season, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is clearly a different player. Um, today there was an interview that came out with him, and he said that Fonseca just told me in the preseason just just work, give your one hundred percent in training, work on your physical condition, and that's what he's been doing. Um, and again, that's what's most surprising is because usually last season, the, the few times we saw him, we would get frustrated because he would just run around the pitch. And, um, you know, when it didn't come to the offensive side of the ball, he would just just shut off. And here, I mean, he's proving all the people that said Pastore is not a Mezzala wrong because he's been switching from Trequartista to Mezzala to getting back and sometimes if you look at some of the frames from uh Roma Napoli he he's basically playing as a def- an additional defender um he gets back when the t- when the opposition hits on the counter he he's everyone and 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 then you add to that his technical ability and him being very very smart um and you get yourself that penalty because that was to me that's not pastore looking for a cross to me that's pastore knowingly uh, exposing Mario Rui's, um, let's say, stupidity in that situation uh, because you could see the Agreed. reaction yep. from him. He was completely aware of what he was going to do. And he's been a, a lethal weapon. Had it not been for Jordan Vertu in this game, Pastore would have been my man of the match. Moving to Fonseca because we obviously have to talk about him. I... I, I forget who tweeted it. It might have been you. Um, you. You tweeted something to the effect of finally a team that plays like a team. I, I don't know yes. if it was you. It yeah. might have been yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. else. Yep. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing about Fonseca is before the start of the season, all we heard was, oh, my God, he's like Zeman. Um, he's going to play attacking football. We can expect Roma to ship a lot of goals. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we saw that. Listen, I saw some of the tweets that, that Romanisti uh, pulled out after that Genoa game, after the first game of the season, and it was all out there. And uh, newspapers picked up on it that after that Genoa game, he was the new Zeman. I think this is a testament to the adaptation that he's made in the league. He saw what happened at Roma Genoa, and he clearly adapted. He He altered his tactics. He altered his approach. And that now, just from the beginning, I thought a comparison to Zeman was completely unfair because I, I don't think anybody compares to him. Um, <laughs> he's just one of the most yeah. unbalanced managers I've ever seen in my entire life. So I, I think any comparison to him is is just com- completely unfounded most of the time. But in all seriousness, um, there are a couple of things that stand out to me when it comes to Fonseca. So obviously there's a defensive side. The balance that he's been able to find in Roma's game, to me, has been incredibly impressive. But above all... What we've seen from Zaniolo, Clivert, Mancini, to me, that is the greatest testament to the work that he has done. There were so many questions concerning Mancini coming into this season. There were a ton of questions uh, concerning Clivert. He obviously didn't perform at the level last season that many of us expected. And then Zaniolo, he had a bit of a drop-off later in the in the later part of last season. So there were question marks surrounding where's his future? Is he able to play on the right wing? Um, if, if Roma had Pellegrini, is Zaniolo on the bench? I mean, for me, he has raised the level of every single young player on this team. And I, I, I can't give him enough credit for that because... How many of us, if you would have told me to this day, um, before the start of the season, 
would you have been shocked if somebody told you Justin Cliver is going to be, without question, the first choice left winger in Paulo Fonseca's starting 11, and he's going to be one of the most decisive attacking players in the Roma's team? Cliver has been unrecognizable. He has been superb under Fonseca. Zaniolo has been superb under Fonseca. It just feels like this entire team has the imprint of Fonseca in them, every single one of the players. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's that's what happens when you have um, a, a coach that engages with the players, that uh, works with the players, that communicates with the players. Um, if you look at it, the, the players during a game, they always, they're always communicating with the coach. Um, which is not a given thing here because, uh, you know, in, in uh, Di Francesco's latter, uh, latter episode at Roma, latter chapter, he, he was not getting through to them at all. And in today's interview with Pastore, he said it again that I lost the, 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 the trust of, of, uh, of Di Francesco. And that's probably the worst thing that can happen to, um, that to the relationship between uh, uh, player and coach. Um, and and Fonseca has been there all the time. And uh, as someone wisely pointed out, um, Fonseca has given, this season has given in the, in the, in Serie A, has given a chance to every single player beside the two other goalkeepers, Mirante and Fusato. To every single player, he's given a chance. And some of these players were, you know, I mean, Spinazzola even, uh, I think he had a great game against Napoli. And that was a player that at the beginning of the season, everybody looked upon, oh, injury prone. Oh, but now he's he's clearly developing into a useful player for Fonseca. Um, Dzeko. Jeko has been reborn, so even when he doesn't score, I yeah. can't I can't say anything bad against him because he's been working his ass off and he's been yeah he's uh, still incredibly engaged. That is not what we yes. saw last season. If he didn't exactly. score, he pouted. Yes, and and against Napoli, he was always there. He made his presence felt, even though I think he may have gotten one shot off. That's it. I mean, you know, and and you still could feel his presence. Um, the fact that he had to. You know, he he saw himself lose so many players that he was hoping to. You know, Mkhitaryan, Pellegrini. Uh, you, you know, you had Under. Those were those were starters. That those were pieces that were supposed to be key in this Roma, and he managed to rebuild a whole new identity with players that were not supposed to be there. I mean, you said Clivert, but I would say to you, uh, you know, right now, if I would have said uh, in August, imagine Mancini being uh, the leader of the, in the midfield for Roma uh, uh, in October slash November, you wouldn't have believed me. And that's what he's managed to do. He's also managed to 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 give some sense to uh, the defense. You could see even in this Napoli game, I mean, do we want to talk about how uh, secure the defense and looks under the supervision of Lopez and how, you know, last season when Olsen exchanged pa- short passes with his defenders around oh, him, yeah. I would go into panic Terrible. mode. I would just freak out. I would be like, just get rid of the ball as quickly as possible. Now, surprisingly, I'm I'm here not, I, and I fully know that this is part of what Roma 
Fonseca wants from his Roma. He wants that to be part of his game. That's not accidental. That's not because the opponent is pressing up high. That's a way of playing from the back for Fonseca. And that that's part of his vision. And that's probably what I most applaud him for is that with little, with very little in an emergency situation, he completely turned the table around. Um, and now we are looking at third place. We are looking at, you know, a team that, yes, despite being extremely tired, clearly ha- they have confidence in each other. And that's that's not something I, could, I, I would have said about Roma a year ago. Yeah, and another thing I love is he didn't allow the injuries. He did not allow the poor refereeing decisions to become an alibi for this team to drop points. Um, I think attitude in the mental portion of this is also a huge testament to the work that he has done. The mentality just seems to be different this year for Roma, and I I can do nothing but applaud him. Um, A couple of other things I wanted to discuss quickly. Uh, Chetting. So this seemed to be a very uh, divisive topic. I didn't think he performed well. However, that doesn't mean I don't think he's a promising player with a lot of ability. I just thought he had a poor first performance. Um, I think he has to do better on the goal. Obviously, on the following uh, Llorente in the end, he obviously saved a goal-scoring opportunity. But I think uh, before the action, I think he needs to do better to position himself. But but I do think he can become someone who is very useful. And I was actually impressed with some of the bits that I saw from him. What did you make of his performance? I think, obviously, he looked nervous. Um, Very nervous, yeah. He looked nervous, and (laughs) rightly so. I mean, you have a a team that is very offensive, a team that is is not some relegation side. You're playing a big, big game (laughs) as a starter, and you come from the Turkish uh, Serie B. Second division. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So... You're looking at you're looking at a guy basically at his first experience of major football, right? And and you know, I the first the first few minutes he was clearly nervous. Then he sort of got a handle of the game. He even made some important uh, interceptions and blocks yes. um, on Milik, especially. Uh, he he made a, a good job of keeping Milik quiet along with uh, uh, Smalling. In in the goal in the goal scoring uh, uh, situation where where Milik scored, um, that was I think him who got who he overthought that that situation. He he was clearly thinking, "Am I gonna make an own goal? How do yeah, I?" Yeah, he looked scared as if he was going to score an own. Goal. Yeah, how do I? He was like in mid in mid action as he was sliding for it. He was just he rethought the whole. Of whatever he was doing and ended up not doing anything and obviously that's not good but you know I mean after years and years of watching Fazio and Juan Jesus do that and they are like 28 and 30 or something um, I can accept that at the first time for such a young and inexperienced defender I thought that the foul he committed in the last few seconds were I think that those were those were the things I was looking at for Satine I mean um, I don't know if people know this, but uh, this is just on a side note. Alessandro Ostini, I, I don't remember when, but um, he said during uh, an interview, during sort of a, this talk show, La Signora Angelo Rosso, he told the story that when Satine arrived uh, at Roma on his first training, 
all of the teammates were so afraid of him because he was just going in, sliding tackles, extremely yeah. aggressive. <laughs> he was that, the one who hurt that, Diego Perotti. Yes, exactly. Perotti came out limping of that training, and and basically uh, the the senatores, so Kolarov, Jake, uh, uh, they, they, they had, had to calm him down. They, they had to say, "Yo, you have to. You, this is not what we do here." So listen, that that foul on Llorente is exactly what I would expect a player like Satin to do. You know, you you could clearly see that he had no interest in going for that ball cleanly. He 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 completely got into Llorente and. As you know, as as tough of a positioning that was, he still, in my opinion, saved our asses because you know, I I still I, I'm still afraid of those Roma uh, situations in in the death. Um, so I think I would have taken that that free kick over one on one situation with Lopez definitely. Um, so listen, I mean, uh, he's gonna learn from this. He clearly. You know when you saw the frustration on him when he made that uh, when he made that error on the goal and when he when he got the red card you could clearly see the frustration. But as someone pointed out, Fonseca himself applauded him when right. he when he left the pitch. He, they, they, they he knows what who this player is. He knows what he can be, um, and we still haven't seen much from him because apparently he's very quick. He can play even as a fullback if needed. So I, I expect to see plenty of him against the minor sides. Yeah, me too. And, and again, just because you know we, we have some doubts about his performance, it doesn't mean we don't think there's something there because I, I do think clearly there is something there. And I didn't think he did bad. I just didn't think he had a great performance. And that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. Uh, one last thing. So we had... A couple of people in our Patreon group chat bring this up. Um, they wanted us to discuss the territorial discrimination chance. Now, I want to tread very lightly with this one because everybody is going to have a different opinion on this. My opinion may be different from yours, and that's okay. Um, now, for me, we have to start on, on the basis of all of this. Now, the territorial discrimination versus actual racist chance we have to be able to differentiate the two, right? I mean, to treat them as some sort of equal, to me, in my opinion, uh, and the same weekend, we saw these chants against uh, Napolitani versus what we saw against Mario Balotelli. Those are not even remotely equal, yeah? Can we at least agree on that? I, I can agree on that. I can agree on that, sure. Yeah, I, I would I would hope that all of us could at least agree on that. Um, for me, my view on the territorial discriminatory chance, which is an interesting term in and of itself. And I say that as somebody who was recently called a dirty Vicentino by our good friend Marco Violi in a parody song. Um, <laughs> uh, they don't, to be honest, and I'm just saying this from my perspective, because we hear chance against, uh, we hear Romano Bastardo every single match day. Um, we hear uh, chance against uh, Milan fans. It doesn't matter where you're from. There's always chance against the supporters, the city they're from. For me, they don't bother me. Now, when you hear uh, Lavalico Fuoco, do, you, do we honestly think that people want Napolitani to be enveloped by fire and die? Of course not. Of course not. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's all stick, in my opinion. I think it's blown out of proportion. I think you see this everywhere else in the world. You see it in the United States. You see it in England. You see it wherever. Um, 
I think to put that on equal footing with racist chanting is absurd. Again, I view it as just stick. Now, if you're a Napoli supporter, I can understand why you would view it as something more than that. I completely understand. But in my opinion, from my view, again, as someone who, again, was just called a dirty Vicentino, this stuff does not bother me. I want you to give me your opinion. But first, a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, my bookie. Hey, NBA fans, I know we have a lot of you who are listening to this podcast. The NBA season is just starting, and now is the perfect time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all of your favorite NBA action every single week. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. And the best part is, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all of your favorite picks. So use promo code LATEFEES to activate this offer. Again, that's promo code LATEFEES, L-A-T-E-F-E-E-S, to double your cash. You can get started by going to mybookie.ag today. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid with mybookie. Well, I I think um, I I think what uh, these territorial things have become basically like a folklore element in Italian football, and it's like it's. I don't I mean I don't I don't even find it cool and I I never even thought of of doing it I I never found pleasure or interest in you know chanting about the Vesuvius erupting on Naples but um I I I bet there are a million other Napoli fans who never right, thought of right. uh, you know calling Roman women whores because that's what they do Romane Romane Putane, putane. And, you know, that's it, it, it's something that I certainly don't approve of, but I cannot uh, see it on the same level as, you know, imitating uh, uh, monkey chants uh, in, uh, you know, in, in what, what we saw uh, against Mario Balotelli, because then this is, you know, this is what. When 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 Lotito says uh, yeah, it was a right. goliardata, I think it was when was it uh, a few months ago when he said basically, you know, what was your reaction to the monkey chants? And he basically said, oh, it's you know, it's nothing. It's one of those things that you do at the stadium. I don't, you know, I I don't think that you you do monkey chants at a stadium. I think that's that that's just plain uh, just horrible. Um, and it has nothing to do again with these territorial chants, which are, are, as you said, are everywhere from every fan base. They always have different chants, yeah. different, you know, Kino uh, Salta, Juventino, you know, all those, all those things, and it's it's become part of the thing, and doesn't mean it's right. But I, I would never look upon it as some of these um, Serie Lega Calcio executives and members, board members and whatever, um, because they look upon these two things exactly the same and 
their thinking is, oh, this is just bullshit. You know, this is just fans just blowing off some steam. Um, no, it's not. Yeah, and obviously, again, I, I don't, I, I don't think the two should be on equal footing. What happened to Balotelli is disgraceful. It's disgusting. It shouldn't happen. I, I just, I have a problem with this t- territorial thing because really, the only fines that are handed out for these territorial chants, they only happen when a team faces Napoli. Yeah, I mean, you're not seeing. You're not seeing um, fines handed down for chanting, you know, Romano Bastardo. You know, it's not happening. So I just think the the way it is, the way this rule is being carried out seems very backwards to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it, there. There is no structure to it. They uh, nobody is ever really held accountable in in the appropriate way and. Uh, you know, as long as um, the fucking president of a football club just says that racist monkey chants are just, you know, sarcasm and not signs of racism, uh, then this 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 league will will never take the major step forward. And if 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 there is not a difference being made, then why does it? Because for foreign listeners, why does it? You know why are why is Napoli always at the end of this? Um, because because in Italy there is always that idea, um, and it's something that has been there forever. Is that both in in general Italian uh, ideology and in Neapolitan ideology, Napoli is not that. Does does not identify itself as Italy as Italian? Yeah, exactly. It's we could go on about this for for an hour. Exactly, and, and notice that's the same thing that often happens with Sardinia. That's that's the same thing. They don't really fully uh, uh, identify themselves as part of Italy. So there is always going to be that um, that whatever happens to Napoli with territorial chance is like a show of you know, and it's abuse because. They're looked upon as not Italians, um, which is not it's 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 not the case. It's just that something that got stuck and it's stupid, but that that's how it works. So when when uh, when uh, Napoli fans or whoever else says uh, something about Romans or people from Milan or wherever or Parma, that's you know, that's not going to find it its way to the newspaper because that's the normality. That's the way things are that's sports right that's sport that's how you 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 heckle you heckle players you heckle other fans you 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 do all this stuff um in in sports but when it comes to monkey chanting and and doing terrible abuse at a player that is clearly being targeted um then that's there have to be some consequences because as long as you say both are the same then Neither will the territorial chance stop, neither will the racist chance stop. Yep, I agree. I think you summed it up perfectly there. Um, again, I, I think there's a distinct difference between the territorial stuff, which is a much more um, much more important issue that we need to find a way to deal with better. Or I should say the Liga needs to find a way to deal with better because it's pathetic the way they carry out the rule now, the way they handle it. Um, and even when you have club presidents denying that they're hearing racist chanting when there's video of racist chanting, it, it's absurd to me. So, all right, well, we'll leave it there. We will be back later in the week um, after Roma play in the Europa League against Mönchengladbach 
and before they play in the league against Parma. So, as always, thank you so, so much for listening, and until next time, ciao.